Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. So helpful being part of Kids City Live before you come out here. I'm Dave Griffith. I'm the ministries pastor here. And hello to all you kid citizens out there. We're glad you're worshiping with us this morning. Uh, big church bingos in your hand, so we're glad that you're here uh, connecting. And, and if you're new to Lex City, this is typically we have two services on a Sunday morning. We'll be back to that next week. It's cool uh, once a year or a couple times a year just to have the whole family here together. So we're glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us this morning. And 2024, we're on the eve of it, uh, the brink of 2024. And it's so weird to me. This day represents a lot <clears throat> for most of us. And I don't know why turning the calendar one page makes such a, is, has such a powerful effect in our lives. But for a few of us, it's just a date we have to remember when we sign something. But for most of us, I think it's a new beginning with new possibilities and a clean slate to write on. There's a redemptive quality uh, to a new start, to a crossing over into a new chapter in our lives. And I'm excited that we're here today to uh, do it together as we get ready for tonight. And, well, that's where I want to spend a little bit of time uh, today uh, as we worship together. I help you get ready for a new day on the other side of 2023 in a brand new year. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Or you can go to lexcity.info. Uh, if you type in lexcity.info, you can go there. Everything that's happening in our church is there, and you can also click on message notes. It's a great way to follow along and take notes, and you can send those to you later. Um, and we're going to study a famous story uh, today that happened to some people who were doing the exact same thing, crossing over into a new day. Uh, now, let me set up the story for you uh, as we look into the lives of the Israelites the people have been freed from slavery, and been, but been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And Moses, their amazing leader, has just died, and the Lord has appointed Joshua to lead the people. Now, God's people have been promised a land where they can actually live as he has called them to. Free people with the inheritance that the Lord is tangibly giving to them. It's going to be available to them. And it's a place that they have been dreaming about for literally generations, since the first time Abraham himself heard about the promised land, they have been anticipating this. And throughout scripture, we see the promised land referenced as the land flowing with milk and honey. Exodus chapter 3, uh, uh, Numbers 14, Deuteronomy 11, Ezekiel 26 says it this way, I swore to them that I would bring them out of Egypt into a land I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a promise of better things to come and a hope that helped them dream about and eventually cross over into the plans of God with intentionality and with submission to him. A, a land flowing, it says, with milk and honey. Have you ever thought about that phrase before? What a weird choice of words to describe existence uh, hoped for. <clears throat> I know that it's imagery, of, you know, symbolizing fertile and abundant, but why those two things? Why, what is it about milk and honey flowing that would describe the promised land and what it would be like? I think, uh, personally, I think God was intentional 
in choosing that imagery. Uh, I think there were two images that he wanted to put in his mind, and, and here's why. First of all, take milk. When you buy it at the store or you have it in a glass on the table, I think we really take for granted all that it took to put that uh, on your table or in your glass. It's a ton of hard work represented there, especially, think about it, in the olden days. First, you have to grow the hay, cut the hay, dry the hay, feed it to the cows or the goats, whichever part of the world you're living in, and then have a place to keep them, and then you have to keep them healthy. Then, have you ever milked a cow before? I have, as a little kid, a neighbor of ours had two cows, and when they went on vacation, my sister and I uh, took care of them. Well, it's nearly impossible, just let me tell you that. And what a forearm workout, uh, even if, you know, especially as a teenager or a little kid. And then the calf got out and the mama got mad. Have you ever been at a stall with a mad mama? It does not go well, let me tell you. And it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of work to have milk on the table, okay? But what about honey? How does it come about? What's the process that we go through there? Well, the bees decide where to live, and then they go and collect all of this pollen, and they bring it back to the hive, and then they turn it into the sweetest thing you can imagine. Then they pack it into a comb um, and in such a way that science actually tells us that honey has no expiration date ever. And they put it in a place that they say is the most germ-free location on the planet Earth, inside the beehive. And then whenever you want, you carefully, and I say that purposely, you carefully <laughs> take some, and you can eat pure goodness straight from nature, okay? We built a home when our kids were little in Georgetown. We have lived around here most of our lives, and we had 10 acres out in the country, <clears throat> surrounded by woods and, and pasture, and we built this home, and uh, on the one side of it, kind of backed up to the woods, and we were getting ready to move to Cincinnati, and you do what most people do when you're getting ready to sell a house. You look around at all the stuff you should have or could have done years past, and you go, I got to get this place ready to sell. I'm look, look, we were doing some projects like that. I go around the back of our house, and I'm looking up. We have a, a really steep gable with a chimney on that side, and I look up, and I see a bee coming and, like, disappears into the soppet. I'm standing there a few minutes, and then another one comes, and another one comes, and one goes out, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, we have bees that are trying to nest up there or, or you know, create something. So I go in, do some research, call a guy, his name is Tyler, find him in Sadieville, Kentucky, and say, hey, we've got bees in our eve, could you help us out? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll actually, I've got an empty hive, I'll come over today. I'm like, okay, I don't even know how this works, but come on. So, I mean, this is way up. I've got a 24 extension, 24 foot extension ladder, and I can't reach it. So I have to back my truck up to the house, put the extension ladder in the back of the truck to get all the way up there. Safety first, I know. And uh, so Tyler comes to the house, and uh, he's got all of his equipment. I was expecting, you know, beekeepers look like, in my brain, look like these old guys. This dude was like 24 and knew everything about bees. He shows up and he goes, okay, I'm going to get up there and I'll have to peel it back to see, you know, what's going on. And then, we, then I can smoke them. That, you know, calms them down. And then I have this little vacuum that he, you know, sucked the whole hive. It was crazy. So Tyler comes. He climbs up there and uh, gets up there with all of his suit on, peels the edge back and looks in there. And he's like, oh, I'm going to need some help with this. So he starts smoking, gets all the bees 
So then I get another ladder, so then now I'm beside Tyler all the way up there. We peel the soffit back, and it's a 12-inch it's a soffit, and for four feet, it is solid hive on the side of our house. And I, so I was thinking this was new. They had been there for years. I mean, you take the soffit down, and it was nothing but honey and comb the whole side of the house. So he said, well, we have to get this out of here because if we don't, other bees will come, you know, smell this and that sort of thing, and they'll, they'll uh, you know, nest again here. So we've got scrapers and hammers and all this stuff to get it out. Well, at this point in time, the boys uh, have come home from school. Hannah, I think, was there too. They come around the corner of the house. The dogs have all come to where we are because honey is now dripping down as we're working on the ladder, on the hammers, everything. Uh, we start taking pieces off. We throw it down. The dog would pick one up and take it away. The boys would come over and just eat right out of the grass. It was crazy. I mean, and literally honey is going everywhere. I mean, it was unbelievable. The sweetest smelling and tasting project, you know, I had ever done in my life. Tyler couldn't believe how big it was. He takes everything away. And I'm telling you, for years after that, I would get a tool out and I would go, oh yeah, I remember that day. You could, down in the... No carpenter wants to lick their ladder, but that day it happened. And uh, now, all of that, the reason I tell you that whole story is to say, I did absolutely nothing, <laughs> and there was pure goodness on the side of my house. There's an obvious difference between the blessing of milk and honey. Both are amazing and both are good for you, but come about completely differently. I think God wasn't just describing with the phrase, a land flowing of, with milk and honey. I think he was describing a relationship with him. There are some things that only he does and only he will do, honey. And there are some things that he has called us to and will only allow to take place when we step into it and work with him in it, the milk side of things. But either way, there are abundant blessings that flow from him and can be present in our lives when we step into them. The promised land was not a leisurely life promised to them with no responsibility or hardship. In fact, after they cross over into the promised land, it's page after page after page of fighting and war and triumph, but still conflict on multiple sides but we never read in the Bible that the Israelites stumbled upon a weird river of milk that had honey dripping into it. Like it just doesn't exist in the promised land. The promise was not ease. The promise was relationship with a brand new perspective. Now, with that promise in mind and almost 450 years of built up anticipation, we find the Israelites at the brink of the promised land and on the banks of the Jordan River. And that's where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 3. Read along with me. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they were camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them. Keep a clear distance when you, between you and the ark. 
Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. And the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Joshua communicates this plan through his leaders to all of the people, uh, and it involves some interesting steps that, uh, before they actually cross uh, into the Jordan. But you can only imagine the excitement and probably fear and anxiety maybe, uh, but also wonder of what's it going to be like on the other side. What's it going to look like and be like when we get there? There's a river in the way. And Joshua communicates some ingredients, if you will, so to speak, uh, a recipe for this miracle to happen and the blessing of God to take place in their life. So I want to explore that today with you, the recipe of living on the other side, <clears throat> maybe in 2024 or maybe just for the miracles God has out in front of you. Number one, he says to his people, purify yourselves. Verse 5 says, <clears throat> purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purity is this first ingredient he calls his people to. I'm not talking about your salvation like I have to do this good thing in order for God to love me or for, in order for me to approve, uh, get God's approval. Um, this is not a give and take with God. This is about your readiness, my readiness, and our usability. Joshua says, you want to be used by God or at least see great miracles in your lives? Then purify yourselves. God is going to do his part. Our readiness says whether we want to be a part of it or not. So as you approach 2024, what I just want to ask you, what do you need to get rid of and maybe leave behind <clears throat> that might be in the way of God bringing his blessing and maybe even miracles into your life? Is there a hang-up? Is there an attitude, maybe a pattern of thinking that doesn't that do anything for you but holds you back? The Israelites had an actual ceremony that they went through on the pur purifying side of things. You may not need to adhere to that. But I think we've lost some of that in our culture. Like a line in the sand, there's freedom and accountability to asking forgiveness and seeking purity in our lives. So what does it look like for you to approach 2024? What is it that might be something need to be left behind? Is it gossip or pride maybe or fear or bitterness? Something that just has its hooks in you and wants to, needs to be left on this side to experiencing the true blessing of God. Purity is what he calls them to first. Then he says, let somebody lead you. Verse uh, 3 and 4, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, move out from your positions and follow them since you have never traveled this way before. They will guide you. There's a real sense of humility that comes when you say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I've never been this way before. Could you help me? Could you lead me? Humility 
is the key because we're actually not as pure, right, as we want to be, point one. No matter how hard we try, he says, um, let the community around you and leaders in your life actually in. There's None of us have been this way before, so lean lean into each other and let's do this together. Focusing on purifying yourself is the first step. But I don't think each of us are on an island when we do this work. Uh, God actually works in community. He's done it forever. You've never gone this way before. Allowing someone into your life to lead you and making it official creates humility that, is, that God uses in our lives. And you may ask somebody to lead you in a specific area. I know thinking back when our kids were young, I was uh, working in commercial construction. I was a uh, uh, soccer coach. I, I, just to be bluntly honest, I was a serial yes person. <laughs> if you asked me to do something, I would say sure. Not even thinking about do I have time to do it. Overcommitment uh, was uh, kind of the underlying theme. And for some reason, I was addicted to it. Like I could not, uh, I, I couldn't, I, it was people pleasing is what it was. I could not let somebody down. I would just say yes to it. So I finally got to the point where I was like, could you, a friend of mine and a guy who was leading me at the time, I said, I, anytime someone asked me, it was a little bit of a cop-out, but anytime someone asked me, I'm going to blame you if it's okay. Like, I'm going to say, let me go talk to a, a, a guy of my life and see if it works and talk with my wife and, and just, like, I, I needed some support and some accountability to say, I can't just say yes to everything. It will actually erode the parts of my life that I really want to invest in. It was humbling and really sounded stupid. It was at points in time where I'm going, you can't, you're a grown man. Can't you make your own decisions? Yet for me, I was going, I need some help here to bring a, a, a direction in this season of my life. I just want to say to you, that is a step that God can use. That kind of humility to say, okay, I'm available. Would, I want godly community to speak into my life. So I just want to say to you, that's the core of who we are as a church. This year, get into a group. We're going to be launching a whole new group in January, a whole new group's menu uh, in in January, on on, uh, January 14th. And a ton of them, this past semester, we had 55 different groups that you could be a part of, all, uh, any variety of of life and, and connection for you. And... So I want to just encourage you, as that comes, as you turn into to 2024, find godly community and, and step into it. Or better yet, sign up to lead a group. We'll help you get ready for that. Launch a new one and see what God does with that. But don't do it alone. Maybe it's in the area of recovery. Our recovery groups on Thursday night is a community of people waiting to throw their arms around you to say, you don't have to kick this thing on your own. There are people that want to walk with you, and you can take real action from something that's eating your lunch and have people around you that will help you. Maybe it's in the area of finances. We have a class starting in January called Financial Peace University, FPU. starts on January 18th. If that's the spot in your life where you just go, I cannot conquer this one. I don't, peace is the last thing I have in that area. Um, we've got a class designed to help you align your finances with godly principles and actually find real peace with your money. Get some godly influence and friends in your life in 2024 and watch what God will do because you've never been this way before.
Okay, step out in courage is the next thing he says. Verse 8, when you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Faith in action, the third ingredient in the recipe. You can try to do this on your own, but it's actually faith and your courage to act on where miracles begin to happen. He says, put your trust in me and I will give you the courage to act. In fact, in chapter one, three times he tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. That is his underlying halftime speech to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. I'm gonna do this through you, but you've gotta embrace that. Hebrews tells us that it's only through faith that you can please God, Hebrews eleven six. That's the only way, if my faith is in the proper spot. And I love this part of the story. When the priest stepped foot in the river, I mean, picture that in your mind. God said, I'm ready and I'm willing, but I want you to take action. What do you think it looks like for the actual, the first priest carrying that in their life to get there? I know there's courage in numbers, uh, but somebody had to go first. Someone had to get to the raging, flooded Jordan River and actually put their foot in with faith in action. So what is it for you in 2024? What does faith in action look like for you? Lex City Church is dedicated to taking the gospel to people that haven't heard it yet, wherever God would send us to. And we'll be taking a team to India in February and another team to Cuba in April. And you can sign up for the Cuba trip. If you're just going, I have thought about this forever or I feel drawn to, uh, to be a part of that, You can sign up for that. There's an info meeting next week after church where you'll get all the details for that. Um, Maybe there's a step where you go, okay, Lord, I have never done anything like this, but I'm in. In 2024, I'm in. Or maybe it's starting to serve in an area here at the church. Kid City, like you say, I know what happens there, and you can see the blessing of that in people's families, but what if you step forward and say, Julie, put me in the game. I want to invest in the next generation Use me in a new way. One of the other uh, teams here at church, or maybe it's volunteering with, kid, with um, uh, City Reach in a brand new way in 2024. Tons of outreach that we have going on all the time, and we're waiting for people to step into it. Tons of opportunities coming your way. If you really want to, here's the big challenge for some of us, for me, if you really want to put your money where your mouth is, start prioritizing regular giving at Black City and watch what God will not only do through our church, But do in your own life. There was a moment in time when my wife and I said, this is who we're going to be. And just watching God use that has been an amazing thing. So put your faith in action in 2024. Well, those are three things on the milk side of things. Purity, humility, faith in action that we bring to the table. And some of it is just hard work. But the fourth one is uh, Joshua says to them, but wait for God to move. Verse eight, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Attentiveness to what God is doing, not this just I'm gonna perform for you and I've got my plans and God, please bless them, but looking to see where God is working and pausing to say, I'm gonna be attentive to the work you have around me, Lord. He doesn't just say wait in patience. He says, keep your eyes open and watch, watch what I can do. I've got milk and honey coming your way. 
our attentiveness to the work of God around us and in the lives of the people where uh, is what I see happening all the time. Every week I watch people walk through these doors of our church with unanswered questions in their minds and the desire for God to move in their life they just haven't taken that step to say, okay, God, I surrender. Will you do this in my life? And he does time and time again. I love some of your stories and I wish I knew all of them because we've watched how God has used the steps of faith you have taken to now be a blessing to so many others. So today, I want to give God credit for the amazing miracle that he did that day. So let me conclude uh, the story from Joshua, uh, verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was a harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge... The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Now, I know you know this story. Most of us do. But can you imagine that feeling? <laughs> the recipe had been, so to speak, put in the oven. And just watching God does what he do. They stand in the middle of a dry riverbed. And not just a few people, a whole nation <laughs> walks from one side into the blessing of God, standing on dry ground. And it's something that you participated in, but you had no ability to accomplish it on your own. Milk and honey flowing in your direction. So I want to issue a challenge today as we as a body of faith get ready uh, for 2024. It may have already been on your mind, or it may be just now coming uh, to you on this eve of, uh, of 24. Um, instead of making New Year's resolutions, what if you had a new perspective on your relationship with God? What if you approached 2024 with these two categories? Maybe two lists of things uh, that to ask God uh, to accomplish. On the honey side, you just literally take, a, make a, take some time today before you celebrate the new year tonight and make a list and say, Lord, I'm making a list of the prayers that I, or the things that, I, that are, you've given me that are the things that only you can do. I'm going to commit these things to prayer and watch attentively in faith with expectancy because of your promises on the honey side. Maybe there's a list for the milk side. And then make another list uh, of the things that I believe you've led me to or asked of me. And I will step out into them with purity, godly counsel, and courage, and then watch you move. I, I want to encourage you, make an actual list. It doesn't have to be 35 things. My daughter is doing a list of 24 things she wants to accomplish in 2024. She's an overachiever. You don't have to go that far. But four or five things that you put on the list and go, look, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm not going to put it on the backpack of worry. I'm going to step out and say, would you do these things in me and would you do these things through me? A couple of thoughts as we close and as you do that. 
If you missed Pastor Brian's message last week from the service, I think this one bears repeating as you prepare for the new year. He said, if God has a plan for my life and I have a plan for my life, then someone has to change their plans. <laughs> it's so easy to say God has a plan for my life and then operate however we want to. What if you invited him into that? Other thought. If your prayers and your calendar only have things on them that you can accomplish yourself in 2024, then why do you need God in your life? I believe he wants to dump blessing in your direction. If you put him in his proper place, and if you step out in faith, that the, the faith that you have right now to do the work that he's called you to. So, as you cross over into 2024, do it with intentionality, because both milk and honey are flowing in your direction. So take these steps, uh, whatever the step is that maybe the Lord laid on your heart or as you spend some time with this this afternoon, take the steps you need to have the right perspective in the new day and cross over and see what God does in your life. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you truly are that. Lord of our lives, whether we've acknowledged it or whether we're still in the process of that, God, we know that things are in your control, and we thank you that you have called us to be a part of it. And so, Lord, as a church and as individuals today, we prepare for a new year, and we ask you, would you show up in amazing and miraculous ways? We don't want to do this on our own, and Lord, we submit this year to you in our church and in our lives, in our serving, in our connection, uh, Lord, would you do things we're not even asking or imagining, but we submit it to you to, today to say, Lord, would you uh, work your plans in this church and in our lives in 2024, and we'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.